This is the Moshpit Backstage Podcast for punk, metal and rock interviews and segments. Travis Ryan from Cattle Decapitation, and you're listening to The Mosh Pit on Sin. Travis Ryan is the vocalist for Cattle Decapitation, who'll be touring Australia in February, playing at the Corner Hotel on the 14th. Travis, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Now, how was the American tour? I think that finished up at the end of last month, didn't it? Yeah, we just uh, got home a week ago from a U.S. tour that was extremely successful, a little long, but amazing. Uh, nobody broke down, nobody left the tour, no weird of any kind. Everybody was cool as hell. You can't really ask for a better time than what we had, to be honest. It's really good. Well, that's great to hear. Now, in terms of like playing a show, how do you go about preparing both like physically, like in terms of your vocals, getting ready to perform that for the next 45, 50 minutes, as well as like getting into that right headspace? I don't. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm too busy. <laughs> I do a million things uh, at all times, it seems. Um, so I'm, usually, I'm too busy to ever... I, I don't exercise, dude. I suck, to be honest. Um, I don't exercise. I don't... I barely do any warm-ups. I have a small warm-up routine that I do every night on, uh, on tour. But other than that, man kind of a sad sack I really <laughs> I really don't uh, you know um, exercise or anything like that <laughs> so uh, you know if anything I'm all about the calm before the storm so I like to go out and you know go to the beach with my wife and dog or you know that kind of stuff and even when I'm at on tour like a half hour or whatever before the show I'm usually just sitting there calmly um, and that's just how I like to do things I don't know I'm, I'm just kind of weird like that that's um, fair enough whatever works yeah, for not too, yeah not too much pre-tour uh, work up and just getting you know making sure I, I do all the I, I help do all the managerial stuff we have a manager but I you know I help do all that stuff mm. I just haven't been able to let the reins go I guess you could say <laughs> Um, you, now, you said in your European tour documentary that your favourite place to tour is Australia. Um, thank you. We appreciate the love. <laughs> um, what, why is that? Cool. What, what, why is that? It's just... Okay. I mean, we've been all over the place, right? Um, as far as the world sort of goes, I guess, you know. Um, but I'm still... It doesn't matter how long it's been or how many times you've been there or whatever. I go somewhere else in the world that I have to, like, travel far distances to and people there know the lyrics or know our songs or know who the band is at all. That's always... I'll never get over that. I don't think I'll, that'll ever... I don't think I'll ever really get over that feeling of um, how cool it is to have people across the world know your stuff and... Um, care about it and uh, it's it's just such a cool thing so 
I've always wanted to go to Australia uh, when I was a kid. Um, I used to wish that I was from Australia so I could have your guys' accent. (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) I think when I was a kid, I thought it would, like, get me girls or something like that. I don't know. Because, um, uh, (laughs) I don't know. But I always uh, wished I could go at least visit Australia. So when we were able to, it was just really mind-blowing. Um, what's funny is it's very, like, the the scenery and the, the terrain is very similar to uh, Southern California, where I, uh, like, where I live, um, the, uh, it's, it's very much like this place, Temecula, which is, uh, 30 minutes from where I live, uh, 45 or so minutes from where I, where I grew up, and, um, so, while it seemed familiar, I, you know, it was just cool knowing I'm halfway across the world, and there's koalas in those trees over there, and holy this is amazing, you know, I just... Um, I don't know. I've always just wanted to go and then to actually go there and have people be very into it. You know, also, I should mention, one of the first, like, overseas spots that seemed to, you know, rally for us to come there and tour was always UK and Australia, um, more so than pretty much uh, anywhere. So it was always just like, well been to Australia or we've been to UK I wonder what's going on in Australia why are you know why are why do we have so many fans there or whatever so then to go there and actually see it firsthand is just really special I guess you know so I'll I'll always consider that first time one of my favorite tours plus the shows were sick and we you know we felt the love by the people going crazy and the the stuff they were saying about the tour you know we sold out of merch every single night and it's just, I don't know, it's just really cool. Now, in terms of, uh, sort of the future post-tour, like, I've seen some rumblings about, you know, uh, next album, all that stuff, and I, I sort of gather that's not quite, um, hasn't really started yet. But, like, in terms of the process, how is that going to work over the next, I don't know, year or however long the next album takes? Uh, well, like, the last couple took us about a year where we just kind of, didn't, we didn't go on tour. We didn't do any. We did, you know, a show here and there. Uh, we concentrated both uh, on both those albums to just write the album. So each one took about a year. Uh, but that was when we all lived in the same city. And now, since Anthropocene um, came out, Dave has moved to Seattle, and he actually might be moving to Chicago. Uh, so we, it's going to be a little challenging, but we'll, I mean, we'll still be able to pull it off and everything. Um, it's just going to be a little more challenging, and we've never had to write through the internet, so that's going to be a slight difference. But um, we just, you know, we, we got that Australian tour, which is right in the middle of us uh, writing, because we need to start right now in order to have an album ready to go to be in the studio recording about a year from now. Um, so we just got to get on it, and that's pretty much, I, I think, with that in mind, we're probably looking at with the, you know, with the uh, vinyl industry the way it is, uh, uh, we're probably looking at a 2019 release at this point just because, you know, we need a good year to write the thing. And um, uh, that's about it. We're just, you know, keep getting offered tours and stuff and we can't really do them because we need to be out there or we need to be here writing as much as possible. And 
we've never been very successful about riding on the road like some bands do, and we don't really have that luxury. T- t- touring is a whole different animal, I feel, than than riding, and um, you know, maybe that's why some, maybe that's why we we've had better output is because we were concentrating on it instead of just writing songs to have a record out or oh that you know what I mean. You you mentioned that you sort of. Um you've got the title, some artwork concepts, all that kind of stuff. How do you, is that something that sort of comes to you? You just think, yep, that's right. Or is that something you uh, sort of labor over, you think over? How does that all work? It's kind of a cross between both, but it really does come down to that uh, aha moment, you know, where it just, it just makes sense all of a sudden. And it it comes together. Like with Anthropocene, that's a pretty good example because, I didn't even have the title or concept, and I knew roughly, kind of, very roughly what I wanted to do or what I wanted to talk about or focus on, but how to make that into a cohesive um, album cover and album title and all that stuff. And I'd say it wasn't as punchy as it could have been because it's it is a you have to sit and think about it. You have to know what you're looking at when you're seeing the album cover and and um, the, the concept. Um, you kind of have to, to know about that. So what I can say about the next record is it's, you're not going to have It's going to be very understandable by anybody on the planet when you see the cover and hear the title. It's going to make total sense. So um, I'm not really telling... I'm not telling anybody <laughs> about it. I, I, I always... Uh, spill the beans uh, too early and tell my friends about, you know, here's, here's what it's going to be and, and this is what we're going to do for the cover and I, about a, you know, a year before it even comes out and I don't want to do that anymore. I want it to be a, kind of more of a surprise or I don't want to, you know, just for my own sake, for my own mind, uh, I don't want to like just go telling everybody what it is. Um, so I'm not even telling my best friends. I'm just keeping it all to myself. The band knows, but that's pretty much it. But yeah, it really does come down to being sort of an aha moment um, or an epiphany, you know. Um, but that usually comes from having thought about it for so long and having stewed on it for a while. Um, you know, it, it just, it's so, it's, it sort of is really a, a mix of the two, I guess you could say. Mm. But more so on the epiphany side of things. Now, I imagine you're probably not quite there <laughs> um, with, with the next record, but for you, like, you're coming up with these concepts and then either separately or deriving it from the broader concept, like, how does the lyrics work? How, how do you, how, how do you, A, sort of come up with a broader concept and then B, go about writing the specifics uh, for the song? Well... Basically, the, the song titles have always come first. I have a file in my phone of working uh, the future song titles. Of There's like 50 or 60 of them in there. Um, there's stuff from three albums ago that I haven't used yet. And so I'll come up with, with that, and then they write themselves for the most part, you know. Um, and then I like to have them just, you know, I don't want to have a theme. None of the records are... Uh, what do you call it? Uh, conceptual. It, it, in in 
in terms of, of like how King Diamond would do a conceptual uh, record where he's telling a story from song one to song 11. Um, ours are, we don't really do that. It, it's more, it, there's a concept, but it's um, also peppered with all sorts of other, you know, things like what forced gender reassignment that has nothing to do with, uh, you know, Kingdom of Tyrants as, as far as the, the lyrically. Um, but as long as there's a few points in the record that do kind of harken back to what's going on on the cover, um, that's more of uh, my style, I guess you could say. Um, concept albums are like in the way, say, like King Diamond would do them or something like that. I mean, Cherry's a genius at it, but it uh, just seems, I don't know, I, it never really interested me, you know, as far as telling like one big long story or whatever. Mm. To hyper or whatever for that. <laughs> <laughs> Given sort of the current political situation in the US and sort of how that relates to some of the issues you care about and you write about, do, do you draw any sort of inspiration from like the current political thing? You know, how, how, how does that sort of very specific thing relate to what you kind of, you know, your, your output? Um, well, I haven't written anything. All of this has happened in the last couple of years hmm. as far as the political climate in the U.S. And um, so I haven't written anything about it. I most likely won't. It doesn't uh, fall into what we're talking about, I guess. Um, not enough of it does anyway. And, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I have yet to see, but I probably won't be touching on much of it. Um, it doesn't really interest me on this level or to bring it into cattle decapitation, really. Mm, that's to be honest. So, like, I got into your kind of broad musical style, like, death metal, grindcore, that kind of thing, back in, like, 2009 when The Harvest Floor came out. And a track like The Gardeners of Eden kind of blew me away and really kind of expanded what I thought music, particularly extreme music like yours, could be. Can you tell us a little bit about, like, how... Where did that kind of vocal style come from? Because, A, it's it's kind of unique, and, B, it's it, it's just really striking in a, you know, very... For someone like me, um, boredom uh, is a big one, and uh, I think our band from the from the get go has been more so about going against the grain, and um, it hasn't helped us to be honest. Until <laughs> Monolith came around, I, I feel, uh, or Harvest Floor, even um, personally, I. It's not that I got bored. I'm bored of doing these vocals. I was I get bored with the genre and uh, um, doing the same old thing. Uh, it's I just wanted to integrate something else into it, um, and I'm um, glad I did because it it re-energized me personally as far as you know um, my uh, being in the band. And I, I'm I'm 43 years old in December, so. Um, uh, yeah, this month. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm sort of jaded in, in some ways. And, and with that, I just kind of wanted to, I don't know, do something, just, just see what happens, you know? 
I threw some pile of crap against the wall and it stuck. It's kind of what it is. And um, now what that did was it opened up, I feel, a door for me to be even more creative. And um, there's, but you know, there there's a uh, there's a way to do it. Uh, you can't just force it. It can't be forced. So um, I feel like. Uh, when I was in the demo phase, I was just like, God, this sounds like I'm, I'm really forcing it or whatever. But then when I get with Otero in the in the studio, our producer, and uh, we talk about things, and he might even tweak the thing here or there, and it'll be like, why didn't I think of that? You know, like, um, it just, you know, it, it just at, at the end of the day, um, you know, trying something new. And luckily we have a producer that's open-minded. And it's an actual producer. Billy Anderson, the guy we worked with before him, was very extremely open-minded, um, but perhaps too much, uh, because, you know, you got you do have to watch the amount. You don't want to alienate your fans, you know? That's one thing you don't want to do. You don't want to give them something completely different than what they're used to, but at the same... So, so it's kind of a dance that you have to do between what you've been doing and then what you what you'd like to try to interject and, you know, to experiment with or whatever. And um, that's why it was sort of a slow crawl. I started doing kind of like melodic sort of vocals or at least backing things, uh, background or karma, bloody karma, and then it started coming more apparent in Harvest War. And then on Monolith, I was just like, screw it, let's just do this, and went kind of crazy with it. And now that's one of my signatures, I guess you could say. So I'm really happy that we, you know, took a, a leap forward like that. So we really easily could have fallen straight on our faces. And that's honestly what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> I, I, I'm also a pessimist, though. So um, I kind of thought, you know, this this could really screw us here. But, you know, um, it's I like it. And I'm having fun with it. And luckily, we went forward with it. My understanding, you also play guitar and drum set. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I, I take uh, the, the the only instrument that I could say yes, I play this and I can play it, and I could fill in with you know maybe even a band would be drums. Um, just I'm not very good at uh, my my wrist. I can never get my wrist to do the full on blasting uh, like they like they do nowadays. Um, so I kind of gave up on that a long time ago. I started in this band playing guitar, but man, I'm no guitar player so there's no way that was going to work <laughs> we cut that real quick I went over to just vocals pretty damn quick um, managed to write six or so songs with me on guitar but um, that'll probably never be heard until we put out uh, a rarities compilation which we may actually do but um, yeah it's you know I, I, my main thing is vocals and I can play drums I used to be a drummer for 11 years straight and just kind of ended up doing this instead of, you know, over time. And I was really heavy into keyboards and doing ambient stuff uh, right before I joined Cattle. So um, I've always dabbled in all sorts of instruments, but I'm not really very good at them. Just drums, I'd say I'm all right. I'm slightly decent, but I have kind of lost uh, a lot of my chops over the years from not playing how did you get into sort of playing all these various instruments, and how did you start? Uh, when did you start performing vocals? Oh, probably, I mean, this kind of stuff, death metal and 
grinding uh, definitely really early on. I'd say, you know, 1990, 91 or so. Um, right since I first started hearing the stuff, I, I was really into trying to do them myself. But um, didn't really get serious about it until Cattle. Um, I just, I, I had a couple bands that I would do it. Uh, like, I played drums in this one band, and I did backup vocals, you know live and all that stuff I would do the screens or whatever but um, I uh, yeah so I don't know since I was like 16 or so I've just kind of always done it and um, but didn't really get serious until cattle came along really can you rephrase the last part of it like how, how do you sort of avoid feeling like some of the, the, the stuff we do is pointless given you know some of the the, the very heavy nature of, like, the the, imp- the impact we have on the environment, all those different things. Well, uh, the lyrics do... There, there's there's a lyric that says, part of the problem, never to solve them. Um, and uh, so, unfortunately, um, it, you, you know, like I said, I come from a pretty pessimistic uh, side, but... Um, and there, we are part of the problem, and uh, so we've never really offered too many answers, just mostly pointing our finger at the at the problem and saying, "Look at this," you know. But we don't really. I, we don't obviously. We're just a, an extreme metal band. We don't have any answers for anyone. We're just kind of, you know, talking about it and saying, "Look at this. Look what's happening. Look, look what's going on." Um, it's very depressing. But these, to be honest, coming out of these albums. Writing these lyrics can get extremely depressing um, at times, you know. But then again, I'm also the kind of person that's just pretty uh, hyperactive and ADHD riddled. And so, you know, there's I have some emotional issues, and I think anybody playing music, most most of them do, ninety percent of them. Um, and you know, so it's these are hard. They're kind of they are hard lyrics to write, you know, especially when you don't have the answers and you're just kind of raising these flags and waving them, and you know, um, I see a lot of people saying, "Oh yeah, I'm sure you you drive, uh, you know, you better be driving uh, low electric vehicles and and uh, not putting out records or CDs or anything." And uh, you know, I understand that, but. If we don't talk about it, who's going to, I guess, you know? Mm. I come from the school of nuclear assault and negative and like that, you know, like uh, even anthrax. And uh, some of those bands that introduced politics, uh, some sort of politics into their uh, lyrics, but, you know, they're human too. So we're all part of the problem as long as we're existing on this earth. One thing I'm not going to do is have children, so maybe that <laughs> maybe that'll help. <laughs> but I also don't have children, so all these other pieces of and and unfortunately, it seems like they're creating monsters. So, but everybody's different. It's hard to tell. Is there any kind of music you listen to uh, besides uh, metal? Oh yeah. In fact, the bulk majority of what I listen to um, is non-metal um we have a policy of we're pretty much it's a loose policy 
of uh, no metal, definitely no stream metal in the in the bus or in the vehicle after uh, a show um, or any time really on tour because <laughs> you sit there listening to it all day. Some asshole is playing the drums all day. Some guy is playing something all day, and then the band start, and it's just nothing but metal all night. That sounds like a dream come true to some people, but those people aren't on the road as much as we are <laughs> and don't have to listen to the as much as we do. So we've kind of just been like, no, no metal. And to, to, to be honest, I know a lot of touring bands that are like this and do the same thing. And you know you can spot a rookie or a first-timer on tour kind of guy when they're blasting metal backstage or they're blasting it in their vehicle. That's a rookie because they haven't been doused and destroyed with me <laughs> heavy music <laughs> 10 months out of a year the way we have or something um, or the way many others have. It's a, a nice, it's nice to have something calming. You know, I'd much rather put on some Brian Eno or Godspeed to Black Emperor or something like that after a show than Deicide or Lord Angel or something, you know, like... Not that there's obviously nothing wrong with any of those bands. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for our love of metal. But ask the majority of touring musicians, they'll say the same thing I'm saying right now. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we don't want to hear that kind of stuff afterwards. We'd rather listen to hip hop or, I don't know, anything. Anything that's not grating, you know. So, me, myself, I mean, I grew up solely metal. I, I never got into hardcore. I mean, I, really can't stand the entire genre or scene um, but I feel most most of that I, I'm just disconnected from it I, I, I don't understand it I don't want to understand it to me it's it's not about music it's about fashion and the scene and politics above mus actual music whereas metal all that comes second and music is first at least that's how I've always looked at it and you know, I grew up on classical and 80s new wave and 80s pop and 80s metal and hair metal and, you know, then Metallica and then death metal. And, I mean, I heard uh, Spiritual Healing by Death. I got that before I ever got anything from Slayer. Um, I don't know why. I think mainly because everybody else was like, Slayer! I was like, all right, that's cool. But I like Coroner, and I'm going to listen to Coroner instead. And... I'll get around to Slayer. Everybody else is all into that. I'll, I'll get around to it sometime. And I eventually, obviously, did. But um, I'm also a weird man. I, I can't really... <laughs> I've just always been in all sorts of different stuff. And metal is um, definitely one of them. Um, and half the records I have sitting here waiting to be listened to are metal. But um, and, and it's in my heart. It's in my blood. But... Um, because it's there, because it means that so much to me, and I'm, he I'm so immersed in the scene and in the in that genre, I don't feel it, it's it, I don't feel it necessary to, to constantly force or not force, but have to listen to that kind of stuff. I I, I have three thousand CDs sitting here, and <laughs> half of that in vinyl, and you know, there's just too much stuff to listen to to really stick with only one genre and that's the thing about a lot of metalheads to me that I, that I always found unfortunate is like the slam kids only listen to slam or the 
brutal death metal guys only listen to brutal death and um, and offshoots of that. You know, and it's just like, well, well, you're lost because you're missing out on a world, an entire world of music. And I've always thought it was weird to call yourself a musician if you don't listen and appreciate or understand or play all, not all, but many other types of music. You know, when you're only relegating yourself to one genre, to me, that's that's not a musician. That's a person that plays death metal. That's a person that plays this genre or whatever it is. You know? mm, and the more musicians I explain that to, it's usually met with high fives and understanding. You know, I can understand fans not, not getting it and calling me out as some sort of a poser or whatever, and that's fine. Um, God knows I could find something on them. So. <laughs> <laughs> Cattle Capication will be touring Australia in February playing at the Corner Hotel on the 14th Travis, thank you so much for joining me um, can't wait to see you guys down here thank you thanks for listening to the Moshpit Backstage Podcast you can subscribe to us on iTunes and Omni to find out more about the show go to www.syn.org.au slash moshpit like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash moshpitonsin and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at moshpitsin the regular moshpit radio show broadcasts punk rock and metal tunes and interviews every Thursday nights on Sin 9.7 on FM and digital radios. Listeners outside of Melbourne, Australia can stream Sin 9.7 online at www.syn.org.au. Thanks to Vintage Ruin for the music. Hi, this is Tomato from Flash God Apocalypse. Hi, I'm Enid from Girls School. I am Phoebe Pinnock from Heaven the Axe. Hey, this is Gary Oldman of the Hey, this is Kat Sproul from Horizon's Edge, and you're listening to The Moth Pit on Sin FM. Hi, this is Aina from Leopard. Hi, I'm Virginia Lilly from the band Lilly. This is Raoul from 1349. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ali from Eberhead. Hey everybody, this is Charlie Benante with Anthrax, and you are listening to the Mosh Pit on Tips.